Happy Easter and good morning. We're so glad that we get to connect in this way. And uh, thank you to our musicians for leading us in worship this morning. And as we're gathering in this unique way this Easter, we're going to begin a journey together. Over the next several weeks, we're going to walk verse by verse and phrase by phrase through Psalm 23, one of the most well-known passages of Scripture in the whole Bible. As a matter of fact, people who don't even believe in the Bible know this incredible psalm. Psalm 23, and, and I grew up in church, I don't know about you, but I grew up hearing this psalm as a little kid, and I always thought of it as like the old people psalm. I'm just being honest. I always thought of it as like the funeral psalm. Like every time I heard Psalm 23 as a kid, old people would instantly start crying. And I didn't really know why. And, and they always, like it was the older voice reading it, like, the Lord is my shepherd, like sort of British, like Blake's terrible British accent in the Easter Jam video yesterday. If you missed it, go watch it just for that reason, just for that purpose to hear Blake's terrible accent. But that's how I always heard the Lord shepherd, you know, kind of like a, the British accent from Veggie Tales. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like only gone sideways really bad. That's how... But man, the Lord has really reshaped my vision of this psalm in the last several months. So to help get our thinking in the right direction, some of our young people are going to lead the way this morning in reading Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He may get me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Forever! Oh, that was awesome. Thank you guys so much for raising the cool factor on our service this morning. That was amazing. This powerful song points our hearts in a really needed direction, I think, today. It helps prepare us to hear from the Lord. And here's where this journey began. I'm just going to share a personal testimony this morning. Maybe this is a really unique way. If you're new to Temple or if you've been here for a while, we're going to have a little bit of a different conversation this morning. Because I'm going to share something from my personal time with the Lord a few months ago. Every now and then as I'm, I'm reading through the scriptures, I sense the Holy Spirit kind of interrupt my path. And I tend to be a bit of a, a fast reader. I, 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 I wrestle with not wanting to get my day started and hurry on with the next thing. And many of you will do daily reading plans. You'll read every day or every couple of days or whatever. And, and sometimes a negative in that is we're checking a box. And every now and then, I really just sense the Holy Spirit say, slow down. As a matter of fact, maybe this is a surprise for you to hear. Nowhere in the Bible are we taught to read the Bible. That's never what he tells us to do. The most frequently used word when it comes to interacting with the scriptures is the word meditate, which actually is a really slow and still and quiet process. It involves the phrase I use a lot is marinating in the text. Like just soak in the thing and let the flavors get all in there to really hear what it is that God wants us to hear. One of the methods of, of meditating on the scripture that maybe you've tried before is 
every now and then, only a handful of times in my life, I've sensed the Lord say, hey, park on each word. I've gotten to a place in the scriptures where now I'll read one word and just meditate on that for a while. Read the next word and meditate on that for a while. So rewind back to a few months ago. I had one of those experiences with the Holy Spirit where I sensed he told me, slow down. Just look at each word. And I'll be honest with you, this doesn't sound very Easter spiritual today, but I was annoyed by that leading. I had a ton to do that particular day. I didn't want to. I know that that takes time. So I was a little bit resistant, but I really sensed it from the Lord. And so I very spiritually went, fine, whatever. And so it was at this place. It was with the 23rd Psalm, a Psalm that I feel like I've known since I could talk. What is there new to learn from this? Fine, I'll do the word by word thing. And so I looked at the very first word of Psalm 1, and it's the word the. (laughs) Instantly, I'm like, how is this supposed to be meaningful? It's the word the. But I really feel like this is what I'm supposed to do today. And this morning, I really just want to share with you from the first five words of this psalm, beginning with, yeah, the word the. The idea that there's one and only. The idea that there's none like him. If you remember back to our our Ten Talks series, those of you who are with us as we began to talk about the Ten Commandments, that there's no God before him. There's no God beside him. There's no God in place of him. There's no God in, in contest with him. He is the one true God. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert. We'll talk about this in a couple minutes, but really all of this points to Jesus who himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through me. That's, that's what Jesus said. And for some reason, our belief system and our faith system seems to get a bit of a bad rap, that we're too exclusive or we're too narrow-minded, when the reality is every belief system is exclusive. The only reason a person believes something is right is because they wait for it, believe it's right. We believe he alone is the path of salvation. We believe there's salvation given in no other name under heaven but his. He's all there is. And because there's no other God, there's to be no other God on the throne of our heart. Nothing else is supposed to have our allegiance and our adoration and our affection or our trust. We're not supposed to look to anything else for life. He's the Lord, and there's none beside him, and there's none like him. And even truer today than a few months ago when I sat in the idea that there's none like him, here we are on a different kind of Easter, an Easter that's had a lot of the the hype stripped away. We don't have the, the cool signs out front, no bounce houses or petting zoo. We didn't even get to make any mango tree coffee for you, which is what this can is, by the way, for those of you who think I'm consuming alcohol on video. I would never do that on video. So that's not what this is. There's none like him. And this Easter, we only have one thing to offer you. No cool photo booth. No big choir. Or like back in the day when there were live animals in the auditorium for Easter. All we got is Jesus for you. All we have to offer you today is the good news that God loves you. That he's for you. That he'll do whatever it takes to restore you to a relationship with him. 
that exclusivity is life-giving. It offers us hope like nothing else possibly can. The Lord. So that second word is the all capital letters. L-O-R-D. Which anytime we see in scripture, don't forget that's, that's a, a whisper of the name of God. Yahweh. Which means, I am. The God who always is, who always was, and who always will be. Just this week, my youngest son asked me a question. When did God begin? And my intelligent answer was, uh, <laughs> I said he's always been. He said, right, but when did he start? Well, he's always existed. Right, but at the beginning of this, when did God start? No, he was before that. And it's interesting trying to explain that to a, a nine-year-old when the fact is it's beyond human comprehension. That he always has been. Before there was such a thing as time, he was. He was the I am before there was anything else. And he always will be for all eternity because there's none like him. He so much is that if you read the Bible, you find there are countless names for God. We have to have all these names because we can't begin to fathom the authority of the mighty God. The one who created. The one who said, let there be light. And we know from, from science today that there are universes still expanding. His let there be light, which we believe was said thousands of years ago, is, is, is a command that's still being obeyed by the universe itself. That's who he is. That's who he's always been. That's who he always will be. He's the everlasting God. He's unchangeable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the Redeemer. He's the healer. He's the rock. He's the refuge. He is. That's who our shepherd is. The Lord. And I think the best thing we could do this Easter is look a little deeper into who we say we really believe in. To look a little deeper into who our God really is. The theologian Jonathan Wesley wrote to a friend who was having a struggle. And this is what he wrote to his friend. He said, I think you look inward too much and upward too little. Whew. We're in a season right now where we are looking inward and we're looking outward. But this Easter morning, my encouragement to you is to look upward. Look again in a fresh way with resurrection lenses at who our God really is. There's none like him. He's the Lord. So those are the first two words. Now the third word is. Whew, that might not seem like a significant thing. And again, when I got to that word a couple months ago, I was like, yeah, he is. And then I began to think about the pattern of my life since I've been following Jesus. He has shown himself faithful again and again and again and again. He's been so kind and so compassionate. He's restored my darkest days. He's redeemed my biggest failures. He's been faithful. That's who he was. And I got to tell you, my faith today, my faith is strong. That's who he always will be. But that's not just who he was. And that's not just who he will be. 
that's who he is today. As many of you who are facing this are dealing with economic insecurity and facing job loss, or maybe you've been furloughed from your job, listen, he is still your shepherd. Not just he was, and not eventually he will be later. Man, right now, today, in whatever situation you're walking through, he's still God. And he's still got you. And he's still got this. Present tense, right now, in the reality of whatever you're facing. He still is. He can't help but still be. His name is I Am. (laughs) That kind of demands a constant faithfulness. He is today. And then we have these two little letters, M-Y. He's my shepherd. The great reformer Martin Luther said that the heart of Christianity is in the personal pronouns. (laughs) We find the heart of our faith system in little words like my. That that he's not just the God, he's not just the cosmic ruler of the universe, it's not just that he sits on his throne and does all things well and he upholds the universe by the word of his power, all of that is true. He's also mine, and he's yours. There's this personal component to our faith system that's unlike any faith system that's ever existed in the world. By the way, it's unlike any faith system that even existed at this time in history. When these words were written about 3,000 years ago, give or take, man, the the Israelites only knew of the concept of our God. These words were, man, counterculture at the time. He's my shepherd. Maybe you've been in a situation where you're in a disagreement with somebody and and you're wanting them to take responsibility and you you out of frustration just say, own it, (laughs) own it. And here's my encouragement to you this Easter Sunday morning. I want you to own your shepherd. (laughs) He's yours. He belongs to you and you belong to him. He's not just the great shepherd. He is. We'll talk about that in a second. He's yours. He is your great shepherd. And that's the last word. The word shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd caregiver, my protector, my provider, my healer, the one who's always with me. He's our shepherd. And again, I believe this all points to Jesus, who himself in John chapter 10 said, I am the good shepherd. And then Jesus explained what makes him not just a shepherd, what makes him a good shepherd is the rest of that verse says, The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's the amazing thing about our God. I I told you, he has a lot of names for us to understand who he is. He's both the good shepherd and the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He laid down his life so that we could be forgiven. This shepherd who cares for his sheep calls us and we, we hear him. He's restoring us in a relationship to God. This is what Easter's all about. What Easter's all about is that every human being who's ever lived, except for Jesus, has been less than perfect, right? Here's the deal. Some of us who've been like staying at home a lot lately, what we've seen about one another in our families is we're, we're less than perfect, right? Maybe you've been reminded that of that by a loved one just recently, <laughs> that we're less than perfect. 
Here's the, here's the deal. We've all fallen short of God's glory. Every one of us have. And every religion that's ever existed has a list of rules or a list of paths to follow or pillars to obey to earn our way or to work our way back up to God. And what every one of those paths leads to is disappointment. Because none of us can be as good as the perfection of the glory of God. The Easter story is the only story where God would come to earth, lay down his life, and then take it up again, raise from the dead, so that he could restore us back to a relationship with God again. In faith to what Jesus has done, we can get a personal shepherd, a personal protector, a personal caregiver who will give life itself to us. And friend, if you don't know for sure that that's your reality, you don't know for sure that you've ever done that, I can't fathom a better day than today than for you to pray a simple prayer that acknowledges, God, I'm not perfect, but I believe Jesus died for all of those imperfections, what the Bible calls sin. He laid down his life for all of that, and then he rose again so that I could be forgiven. And I'm asking you, God, to save me. A simple prayer of faith. And, and if that's not something you've ever done, here's what I would encourage you to do. You'll see a, a link near this video that says, Can We Talk? I'd encourage you to click that. It just gives us a way to connect so that we can either text, email, or have a phone conversation. We'd love to hear your story. Because we think knowing for sure that you've got your own good shepherd is the greatest thing in the world. It's changed our life. We want you to experience it for yourself. So please reach out to us if you're not sure that's your reality. For those of you who know that it is, here's the thing. Happy Easter. We love you. And we're for you. Let's continue to celebrate him together. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the gift of life, the hope, the hope of the resurrection. That whatever we're facing and whatever we're walking through, we are not alone because you are present with us. Our faith is not in our circumstances. Our faith is not in our path forward. Our faith is in you. You alone are God. You alone are good. And you alone are worthy to be praised. We bless your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I love you. Happy Easter. We can't wait to see you soon. Mm-hmm.